episode 71 of the strong style story podcast here on the pwom podcast network i am your host selector jeffrey wessel you can find me at strong style story without the e in style on twitter the blog is at strong style story.tumblr.com with me today the founder and co-host of this program chris damaseno chris how are you man Hey, I'm good. Uh, happy post uh, 2020 to everyone who survived it. I'm glad you're here for the yeah, most part. We, we, uh, we with barely, the exception of certain people. But, we know, barely got but, out of this week, but yeah. Yes, this is true. And again, just I appreciate those who did survive it who aren't complete colossal dipshits. So uh, I, I, I'm pleased to report that I think everybody on this show has active working Twitter accounts and the president of the United States does not. Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So, and on that note, we have guests this time. Uh, usually, we would have the Cubs fan here. Uh, however, a double whammy of unavailability and lack of a Fantastica mania following Wrestle Kingdom this year. Uh, so, C- Cubs was not able to be here, but instead, we have brought on our fellow PWOM Podcast Network. Uh, podcast hosts, the hosts of Days of Thunder, the WCW Thunder rewatch podcast that nobody asked for, but they did anyway. Uh, please welcome for the for the second time to this program, Dave Ryan. For the first time, Stagger Lee Malone. Dave Lee, how are you? Pretty good, Jeffrey. Thank you very much for having us, and thank you, Chris. It's good to be back on the air with with both you. It, it seems like a January tradition where the four of us get together and do something. Last year, it was talking about Chris Jericho. The less said about him this week, the better. But uh, yeah, mm-hmm. here we are in the 400th week of 2021, uh, <laughs> getting ready to talk about some New Japan. I, I'm, I'm happy. Uh, I, I've heard that the, the, the reason Cubs wasn't able to join us is because my esteemed co-host uh, has is contractually obliged. He can't be upstaged by any other guests, so he Ooh. has to be on with me or with nobody else. Oh, is uh, that right, Lee? That's what I've heard. That, 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 is, that is correct. Um, <laughs> see, see, this is what happens when you have Nick Lambros negotiate all your contracts. <laughs> <laughs> um, was that, was thank, that how you got the continuity Malone gig to begin with? Because exactly. this would explain a lot. <laughs> These nicknames aren't just you know made up. These are chosen specifically. <laughs> Well, um, but thank that. I was going to say thank you for that wonderful introduction, uh, Jeff and Dave. Take notes. That's how you do an intro to a show. <laughs> Here he is. Here Damn. He is. Okay. Don't forget, we 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 have Don Kanashi uh, as our uh, <laughs> as our uh, mentor on this show now. Yes, we have adopted Don Kanashi. Actually, I still have Chris. Do you have any idea who actually is Don Kanashi? Because it's nobody I recognize. It's, uh, as far as I know, uh, all I know from research is that it's some sort of band with, like, two or three people that did the song for Wrestle Kingdom, and they decided that Japanese Don King would be an excellent idea for an MV, and you know what? 
they were right because I enjoyed that <laughs> ironically. So, so he's just so who is he? Is he just some rando, or is he a comedian, or or a member of this band? Or I think it, I think he is like the lead singer of this particular band. Okay. Uh, I, I, know, I know it wasn't Ryusuke Taguchi this time. No, it was not. Uh, even though that would have been hilarious, but. Alas, uh, I will do some research as time goes on through the show, and I will probably have a more concrete answer by the time that we wrap this up. So, yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, so, uh, Dave, Lee, I, I just want to ask you, how, how are you feeling about the prospect of, of discussing actual uh, decent and decent to great wrestling for once, rather than uh, <laughs> the usual fare you get on uh, watching your average WCW Thunder? I feel Scary. like it's going to be, yeah, I feel like it's going to be a good antidote in some ways because our, our most recent show was on Halloween Havoc 98, which like, let me tell you, we, we took the roof with the smooth on that show. We, we got to watch <laughs> DDP and Goldberg, which was an absolute banger, but also unfortunately Lee had to watch in its entirety for the first time, Warrior Hogan too. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I I remember watching that live. Uh, I you know we we stole it. For, we, you know we we stole the pay per view. A friend of mine had a, a means with which to do that, and um, we uh, we we actually somehow managed to not be one of the ones that got cut off. You know, from the DDP uh, gold oh, yeah. match. <laughs> so, and then we got to watch it for free on uh, <laughs> the next night on Nitro anyway. <laughs> So yeah, that that fun times, fun times. So uh, anyway, how how are things in Ireland right now? I mean, we're we're in basically like a level five lockdown, which is like the highest level we can go because um, COVID is just so fucking rampant at the moment that uh, like the figures, like if they were to be translated to the US, you'd be looking at like three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand cases a day. Um. And yeah. on this little island, it's like terrifying to see like eight, seven, eight thousand cases every day. So yeah, yeah we're, it's gone well. We're, we're actually, we're actually, our cases are worse than they were when this all started. Yeah. After like a good three or four month period where we were feeling real cocky about how we were doing better than our neighbors, uh, it's it's got it's gone to hell again. But uh, like, seeing like as things in Ireland, we can blame the Brits. Yeah, and uh, seeing as. Uh, <laughs> Seeing as we are locked down, uh, podcasting is our, our main form of socializing with other people. So it's great to get to do more than one in a week. Yeah, for sure. Well, And the other big thing, too, is that when it comes to uh, the United Kingdom, but more specifically England, I mean, just blame them for about everything. I think pretty much every colleague that's been under them at some point or another does it. So why not follow suit? Oh, 100%. Well, you know, there, there is that. Uh, we will be talking about uh, COVID nineteen and, uh, and 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 various stages of lockdowns uh, as we go through this program. But uh, but the real reason we are convened here tonight is to uh, do a review of the, the the small minor house show that happened earlier this week, known as uh, the two nights of Wrestle Kingdom fifteen. At the Tokyo Dome. At the Tokyo Dome. At the Tokyo Dome. So, yeah, let's just start. Uh, how are y'all feeling about what we uh, what we witnessed over two nights at the Tokyo Dome? Uh, what would we start with, Lee? I was actually 
overly impressed. Like, oh, I wasn't expecting much, like, but um, like on paper, the second night looked a bit weaker than the first night for me. But overall, I thought both nights were like top notch and like a real return to um proper New Japan style shows. And I really, really enjoyed the two nights. All right, uh, Dave. Yeah, I, I think there'd been a lot of uh, people have been down in the in the run up to, to Wrestle Kingdom wondering how the kind of it was the bloom off the rose with New Japan in the, in the post lockdown period. I, I would definitely concur with Lee. I, I think they kind of over delivered uh, mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, even if, um, you know, some of your faves didn't get a featured match on either night, I, I still think when you look at the objectives uh, New Japan had coming into the Dome, I think they've achieved most, if not all of them, and set themselves up well for uh, an, an intriguing 2021. Uh, Chris? Yeah, um, definitely a lot of what we were talking about leading up to this on the previous uh, episode, where we felt a lot about this, similar to how we felt about Wrestle Kingdom 13, where the card on paper, lackluster to just, uh, I'm not sure, and both nights uh, definitely delivered with a good set of matches. The minor quips probably would be that some people who have been favorites for a lot of fans of New Japan style in general not getting anything other than, you know, a ramble appearance on night one. But as Dave mentioned, they hit on a lot of the notes that I think those matches needed to hit to set up uh, some of the stuff that's going to come in 2021, depending on the direction that they want to go with things. Yeah, there, I think there are a lot of parallels between this show and Wrestle Kingdom 13, especially uh, because, yeah, we were, you know, that. but, you know, the difference is that going into Wrestle Kingdom 13, Chris, you and I were extremely down on the product for for very many reasons. reasons. Yeah, um, we weren't hyped about these shows because, let's face it, I mean... You know, at least this time the 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 lead-in tours before Wrestle Kingdom had some you know interest for us because they actually managed to to to, to wedge in Best of the Super Juniors during this sure. time too. So we were still you know kind of paying attention, just kind of you know the passive one you know were most years. It's during World Tag League, so I'm like you know I I you know I was obliged to at least put the results up on the blog. At least, but... World Tag League is basically like if Backlash came the month before WrestleMania, for those who might be more familiar with more global, I guess, uh, say, comparisons, I guess is the best way of putting it. But it's just, it is a slog to go through, and Best of the Super Juniors really did help liven up some of those cards to where I actually ended up paying attention to some of the World Tag League matches, which is not an often thing for me, personally. Yeah, uh, yeah. usually, yeah, World Tag League is traditionally when we pretty much mentally check out. <laughs> you know, again, w- with the exception of, okay, at least I had to type up, you know, we had to know what's happening. I type up the results for the blog, but, you know, besides that, mm-hmm. y- usually we- we've checked out there. Here, um... Now, no, again, these were not the strongest cards on paper, but, you know, and, and, and everything surrounding it, like, you know, going into the weekend, we found out that the Japanese government were capping attendances at 5,000 people or major events with, you know, 10,000 or plus capacity. Um, we're going to talk the attendances. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a spoiler. Uh, there were more than 5,000 people per night. 
yeah because each night so uh when they they capped the tickets at that point they definitely had sold a certain amount of them but compared to last year where a lot of the business that they did on the second night were walk-ups once they realized what the double gold main event like for all the marbles was going to be they didn't really get a chance to uh do some of that business this year due to that uh no they didn't but we're gonna but we're we are gonna talk about that uh we're gonna talk about uh the attendances especially the night two attendance uh, before we we... do that though i did wanted to uh check back in with you guys because uh don kanashi uh aka legendary japanese comedian actor artist and musician Noritaki Kinashi is his name. So he's uh. been actually like a comedy, like a comedian and just like a staple in Japanese pop culture for the last 30 years or so. So this is actually doing more research on it. I'm like, this is kind of a big deal for them to get him and Okada in the same room to do uh, MV for Ed, the Wrestle Kingdom song that they did this year, which was a bop. So kudos to them for that kid. And they even got Ricky Choshu to come out. With, with, with Don Kanashi. So, you know, hey, it was a nice little surprise uh, visit from Ricky Choshu. T- TikTok grandpa Ricky Choshu, by the way, at this point, which <laughs> is a trip in and of itself. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, I cannot fathom Ricky Choshu on TikTok, you know? Oh, I've been, I've gone down that rabbit hole, and boy, it, it is something. I just, I'm not sure what that something is, but it's definitely a something. I, I don't know if I'm built for TikTok. I, I'm sorry. I just don't know if I if this is uh, the, the the route for me. So anyway, uh, yeah, Dave Lee, thoughts on TikTok before we move on? Uh, I, I'm with you, Jeff. I'm fucking. I'm so far beyond keeping up with fucking social media at this stage. Yeah, so I I, uh, I I work with young people like for a living. So it's kind of even if uh, I'm not somebody who would want to delve into a particular area of social media, sometimes I feel I have to to understand what people are talking about. Right. But mm-hmm. I'm blessed. I'm blessed in as much as for the very young teenagers, a lot of them are kind of already over TikTok. So I think I've missed the window where I would have had to figure it out for myself. Uh, so I'll just enjoy TikToks that are reposted to Twitter if they're funny, but I'm not. I'm not going down that route myself. I don't think. I I just like to point out that Trump tried to ban TikTok, and now Trump is banned from TikTok. <laughs> yes, I'm glo- yes, I'm gloating. I saw the graphic of, oh, here are all the, the social media platforms he's banned from. And my favorite one was Pinterest because I was really looking forward to like January 21st. If he hard pivoted into designing Pinterest boards of interior design and things like that. How about, how about Shopify? Uh, he's gone from Shopify too. So. Yeah. And we're not going to get his, his 2021 mix on, on Spotify either. And, oh. you know. We're missing out on uh, on on the greatest poster of all time moving to different mediums. <laughs> all righty, so let, let's get into night one of uh, Wrestle Kingdom 15. This was, of course, on the traditional day of January the fourth, twenty twenty. This was the uh, this was the thirtieth January fourth Tokyo Dome show. Uh, of course, insanity. Long, of course, a long time ago, we we covered the first Tokyo Dome. Uh, January 4th show, uh, way back when on Strong Style History, Episode 2. Also known as the WCW NJPW Supercard 2. So, there's that. Uh, so, the show begins with, uh, pre-match, the KOPW 2021 New Japan Ronbo. The last four remaining 
in the match uh, compete the next night in a four-way match to determine the provisional KOPW 2021. Um, this was about as nutty as we thought it was. Also, maybe a little unsafe considering how many people were ex- were in the match. Uh, that being said, they did not reach out to like any outside talents this time or any you know old old timers. But they do in the Ranbo, so I guess you know that they just kept it to the staff who were already part of New Japan and have been performing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, what what did you guys think of this? Um, I I thought it was a total nothing match. It was just like even by the standards of a pre-show match, I just thought it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. I mean, look, it, it, look. I know, and I get the premise, you know, the, the final four or whatever. But like, if you're gonna do that, just do it then and just let it be over. Yeah, I, I think um, it's it's one of those things where, additionally, us over in Europe have to battle that time difference. And if you're waking up at an obscene hour in the morning to watch this show live, it, it's not exactly the match that's gonna, you know put a bit of pep in your step and keep you going the whole time. It's like, oh, Jesus, I could have just slept in another 20 minutes. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I, the, uh, the, the the time differences are why I did not watch it live, because I also had to return to work this week. So, you know, mm-hmm. I, I knew I was just going to be absolutely wrecked if I did that. But, uh, Chris, what did you think? It was a little bit of a slog. There were some good moments there with... Um, Yuji Nagata and Minoru Suzuki continuing their tradition of two old men who just beat the shit out of each other. And I would have paid good money to see just the cameraman following them around the dome for the rest of the night, just brawling against each other in intervals <laughs> of it being shown on the feed itself. That would have been, you know what, that would have been awesome. But yeah, I, Especially I, I lo- over watching Chase Owens actually get getting meaningful office in any way, shape, or form, the fucking creep. Did you um, see... Did you see the face that Suzuki made when he saw Nagata? He he made that oh, yep. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. So um, y- y- your final four in this uh, being Toriano, who never once really stepped inside the ring because he's a genius <laughs> and realized I yeah. don't have to be there as long as I'm amongst the final four. So I'm just gonna stand here and do nothing. <laughs> Bushi, uh, who was also smart after doing a middle rope dive and realizing. Oh fuck! I'm not getting back in the ring for this. Let them throw each other out at this yeah, point. Whatever. Right. They Bushi and Toriano. They 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 know what's up. And then uh, yeah. bad luck Fale and Chase Owens, which eh, whatever. Uh, we're not we're yeah. not gonna go through the uh, we're not gonna go through the list of, of folk that uh, were also in. The, it just basically if they didn't have a match and you know that they're on the cards, usually then they were probably in in this. Mm-hmm. Yano here in this match proving the uh, the Kevin Nash rule that your wrestling intelligence is directly linked to how many bumps you can avoid. So he is the smartest man in the company. <laughs> oh yeah, pretty much. Oh yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, his whole style is doing as little wrestling as humanly possible, <laughs> and it's and, and, and somehow having the reputation for leg- being a legitimate shooter in that company who could just fuck your shit up if you decided to get out of line with him at any point. Yeah, so. <laughs> But that's why we love him. That's why he's the mascot of this very program. Because, gosh darn it, he deserves it. Our first, uh, our our first uh, proper match of the of of the card: uh, Hiromu Takahashi defeating El Fantasmo. 
You know, I love Hiromu. Hiromu is great. Hiromu is awesome. Uh, this match was dog shit. I thought. El Fantasmo is not a good wrestler, and him trying to do tributes to every previous, you know, leader of Bullet Club was just fucking ponderous. Not everybody at once. Yeah, it's just one of those things, again, where El Fantasmo's Bullet Club cosplay routine has just grown... Very weary to begin with, and just Hiromu had the dragon kicking and screaming to a halfway decent match to open up the show, and it just, again, it's, it just, they tried, but some things did not hit the way that you would have hoped that they would, and in a Super J-Cup that had guys like Leo Rush uh, and Clark Connors and, uh, Chris Bay and ACH as well to think that all of those guys got passed over because you needed to get Phantasmal another rub is just um, yikes. Yeah, it, 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 it's scandalous, honestly. Uh, ELP had the the third strongest performance of this uh, of this match behind Hiromu and Hiromu's jacket, which is the real star <laughs> of the show oh, yes. in a lot of ways. Uh, I know Lee and I have seen uh, ELP in the flesh, uh, kind of during the period where he was figuring out this 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 gimmick, this character of his. And I don't think, you know, I don't want to speak on his behalf, but I don't think we've ever been overly impressed with him. He's one of those guys that's like on a on a normal day, he's just bang average. And you know, uh, on the right night with the right person, it can be a really good match. But I've never really gotten the ELP thing. Yeah, no. Uh, I I I think I'm going to be the outlier here. I actually enjoyed this match. I I don't know. Like um, I thought ELP worked pretty well with Hiromu. Um, I enjoyed the kind of heel stick and the the kind of trying to he tried his best to roll up the crowd as much as they could. Um, again, I've never seen ELP in person have a good match. So I will agree with Dave on that. He <laughs> you know he any time he was in OTT or um. He was just very, very average. But I thought yeah. this was one of his better matches. I thought this was one of the best performances. Now, it wasn't on the level of what you'd expect from Hiromu in the Dome. But that doesn't mean it was necessarily bad. Eh, you know, I, it just it, it didn't it didn't grab me in any way. But you know what? I, maybe, again, Hiromu was saving everything for night two. which night. Because, you know, now that he won this, he would go on to... F- challenge uh taiji ishimori for the iwgp junior title so um, and also- I, I will say I'll, I'll, I'll give them credit the match was never in doubt like the result was never ever in doubt mm. so i think the fact that they did have a decent um outing is kind of credit to both of them i don't think the match was ever in doubt the second that they made the iwgp junior match the the semi-main event of night two mm-hmm. but yeah I mean, and that's a fair point. I just, yeah, I just did not enjoy it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Our uh, our second match of the show proper, uh, the IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Championship, the Gorillas of Destiny, Tamatonga Tangaloa, defeating Dangerous Techers, Taichi and Zack Sabre Jr. to become the 88th IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champions, their record seventh reign with the titles. Mm-hmm. Which and the biggest thing too, them finally actually getting a win on January fourth after basically 
losing pretty much everything under the sun over the past couple of years and that. Yeah, they, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's just odd for them to go go in as the challenger because usually mm-hmm. they're the champions going in. Yeah, very much so. I just find it very interesting in a way that during the course of this match, hot tag babyface Tai Chi was not a thing I expected to see at, at any point in any calendar, but we did hear it was good. I was thoroughly impressed actually by that. Yeah, him and Zach actually bumped their asses off trying to make this work. I think again, for us within the West who have seen interference sticks dating all the way back to you know '90s programming, depending on like how far back your wrestling fandom goes, uh, seeing some of the stuff in this match is just like, okay, here we go again with this stuff. But I guess with Japan and this not being as prevalent there, it's still, I guess, a good enough way for them to draw heat of some kind. So I guess they did what they had to do with that. So I saw, like but, the, I, I like the fact that uh, Tama Tonga and Tongaloa took the iron finger from hell. From yeah. That, that, that at the very least was very much like a hoisted by your own petard kind of finish there as yeah. well. So that playing a hand into it felt good. Yeah. Uh, Dave, what did you think? Yeah, it was another one of those where, like, it was it was fine for me. I'm not really a, a, like a God guy. I think they have a, there's a very low floor. So the fact that I was kind of at least semi entertained by this is good. I do agree with what Chris said. I think Tekkers like work their asses off to make this into something that was compelling. I think that the twist on it, that that finally G.O.D. were going to get that big W in the dome was, was enough to keep me going throughout this match. So yeah, like I, I'm, I'm not going to sing its praises like I am a few other matches over these couple of days, but it was it was good, yeah. Lee? Um, my thoughts on this match is very much coloured by the fact that I watched it with my son, who was a huge fan of G.O.D., I don't know why. <laughs> I think it's I mean, mostly the entrance. <laughs> he likes he likes Tongans beating people up and making cool entrances. It is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, he he was very invested in this, so it was kind of like more interested in kind of watching him than watching the match as it were. Um, but no, I, I, I again, I thought this was good. It wasn't blow away. It didn't kind of need to be blow away. The position on the card. One thing that interested me was Babyface Zack Sabre Jr. in New Japan. Give me more of that. I think the fans are absolutely ready to get behind Zack. Yeah, we we think that there may be something coming up here regarding Suzuki Gun, but uh, the, the but we'll, we'll we'll get into that later. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, so with that, and again, you know, Girls of Destiny are now the the record number of reigns uh, with these titles. So who who saw that coming? I mean, who, who could have seen Camacho leaving the Performance Center <laughs> and going on to become a New Japan legend? <laughs> I mean, it's a fair point. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. It's a fair point. I'm just, I'm just annoyed he didn't bring the bike. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, before our third match of the evening, we got a video promo from one Jonathan Moxley that looked like it was taped at the LA Dojo. I thought, or or he wherever, or whatever, there. or wherever it was that um, you know they they taped the NJPW Strong shows. Yeah, 
I, I think this linked into what everybody kind of put two and two together on pretty quickly after this next match, which is probably the match where he loses the belt may have already be fi- been filmed uh, in the United States. Um, yeah. Because it, like, I am very skeptical about uh, AEW being cool at Moxley taking a quick trip over to Japan anytime this year, considering how the cases have gone in Japan uh, and everything like that uh, recently. And considering Florida being, well, Florida. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, plus he would have to, he has to quarantine in Japan for two weeks. Dude, yeah. So. And it, he also has a pregnant wife at home. That's not for Yeah, me. exactly. Yeah. And that, and that they both had COVID already, so they are probably not keen on risking it. Um, but yeah, I, and I think that is like filming a match where he drops it in the US is probably the smartest way to get the belt off him without stripping him of the belt. Yeah, and I'm fine with that. Plus the fact is like you need more stuff to kind of get the overall audience to pay attention to Strong and not just, like, the really hardcore base that will consume everything on New Japan World. And the Moxley versus Kenta title match as a main event in one of their big shows coming up in the next few weeks would be that kind of draw to do it, even if it was pre-recorded, you know, weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, you know, the, the the other thing is that, boy, they have just dragged... This has dragged on since the summer. Like... This is, has to be the the longest build to a title match in in, in modern New Japan pro wrestling history, it, and unfortunately, yeah, the pandemic unfortunately did a lot of that as it was, and then Tony Khan and AEW made sure on their spectrum of things that hey, you know, he's our world champion at the time before uh, the title change happened. We can't have him, you know, just suddenly losing out of nowhere, et cetera, et cetera. So. Various factors that really kind of messed us up, unfortunately. But it seems that we're headed into the path where finally that title is going to be in the hands of somebody that is within the roster. And, uh, you know, from there, we'll see where it goes. Uh, Leading into that, of course, uh, Kenta had to retain his challenge rights. And he did so against Satoshi Kojima, um, beating him with Go to Sleep. Um... I'm just going to throw it out that this was one of my favorite matches of the entire uh, Wrestle Kingdom cycle. I thought Satoshi that... Kojima still doesn't miss, even at his age in singles matches. Like, no, and he, if, he, if he, Dominion last year against Shingle wasn't enough proof of this, like this was like further proof that this man needs like a solo G1 run to just cap everything off at some he, point. Yeah, here. he does need a one more G1 climax run for sure. And I was kind of aggrieved he didn't get that last week, last year, you know? Yeah. Because he, I, he, I think the fact the fact that he never got it last year is probably a bad sign that he's ever going to get it. Um, but I, I fully agree. Like, the man should get one more G1 to just kind of say, right, that's it. That's the career done as a, as a mainstay singles guy. Because he absolutely has it in the tank, like. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he was... And the crowd still loves him, too. I mean, to the point mm-hmm. where Kenta was... You know, now you see, you said that you know El Fantasma was trying his best to get you know the crowd riled up. Well, Kenta succeeded. You know, doing the Ichiyan Bakiaro. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know, stealing Kojima's line, and it's like God. You know, there were so many points during this. Is like God. You know, if the crowd could actually make noise, this would have been even. You know, it would have been even better. You know. 
Yeah, for sure. Uh, this was like a really, really enjoyable match. And I think, um, you know, with the, the greatest respect to, to what Juice Robinson talk about uh, a last minute upgrade. I would not have been half as into that match as I was this. And I completely agree with what you've said. Uh, Kojima still has it in the tank. You know, the thing is, is that Juice, it still would have made sense, though, because Juice has that history with Moxley. Mm. Like, more than anyone else, except maybe, you know, Shooter in this company. <laughs> but, you know, uh, but no, Kojima was great. I will be very sad when, when he calls it a career, because he, he, he yeah. legit is one of my favorite has been one of my favorites over the over the decades so uh but now we look to the future as uh hiroshi tanahashi defeats great okan uh tomoyuki oka of the empire uh beats him un under 20 minutes with a high fly flow this match was okay i thought it was not great but it wasn't awful by any stretch it was just a good serviceable match you know, Ocon got to show off a little bit. And that's the biggest thing. Having Ocon show off and show some more of the potential that the company does see in him with a guy like Tanahashi playing the foil to it was a really good choice. I do think that in another two years, we could look at this kind of in the same way that we look at that Jay White match against uh, Tanahashi for the IC title where... It may have not been like the world beater that a lot of people were expecting it to be, like they seem to expect out of every like excursion guy that's come back since Hiroba, which again, it's just a ridiculously impossible standard to hold everybody up to. We've yeah. discussed this on the show before quite a few times, but Okan did what he needed to do here to elevate himself a little bit further and... We'll delve into that a little bit further once we go through the timeline here, but just it was service mode. It did what it needed to do. Tanahashi got a really good moment at the Dome by being able to overcome and using high five flow for the first time in a couple of months. And yeah, it, it, it did its job, which was nice. Lee, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I, I fully agree with everything Chris just said. I mean, Okan just being in this spot alone, that's the win for him. This is like you want to talk about like getting opportunities at the biggest show of the year, like going one-on-one -on -one with Hiroshi Tanahashi. It doesn't get any bigger than that unless you're in the feckin' IWGP title match itself. So, I mean, to come back from excursion only a couple of months ago and get sh put in straight at the dome against Tanahashi one-on-one, -on -one, I mean, look, it didn't need to be blow away. It, Okan was exposed to such a huge audience in such a big match, and, I mean, he didn't blow it. It didn't, like, he didn't need to steal the show, and he didn't, and that's okay. Yeah, uh, I think this definitely came off better than the, than the Jay White, um, you know, the Jay White uh, dome match against Tanahashi. But then again, there are some differences too because Ocon had already had matches in, you know, on return. Uh, mm -hmm. That was Jay White's first match back in New Japan, and yeah, I think there were, there were so many expectations heaped upon him, you know. When he came back, but you know, you know, but then we, we, we know how the history's turned out, and we'll be talking quite a bit about uh, Mr. White uh, coming up. <laughs> Our semi main event of night one Kazuchika Okada defeating Will Ospreay, um, bringing back the Rainmaker after retiring it for most of a year with that silly <laughs> Cobra clutch that we all money clip the money clip <laughs> that we all make fun of. Um, 
you know what? The match itself was was good, if overly long. I don't think it needed to be 35-plus minutes. Funny stretch of the imagination. But also, I also think that maybe Osprey should have won just for storyline purposes, even though he's a, you know, complete piece of shit, and so is his partner. But, um, yeah, I, I what do you guys think? Yeah, like I don't know where I I, I land just yet on the, the heel faction leader Osprey thing, because I think for me sometimes his he is overly theatrical in the wrong moments and it, it doesn't it comes off a bit kind of I don't know um what the word would be. Um but it just doesn't wash with me unnecessarily all the time. That said, uh, I, I think this was a very, very good match. I, I think that, uh, yeah, the return of the Rainmaker, thank God, because that money clip is a piece of shit. Um, I did really enjoy during this match. Uh, Kevin Kelly almost frustrated uh, on the English commentary saying, God, Okada really loves that money clip. <laughs> as, almost <laughs> as if he was fed up of seeing it as well. Uh, I, I'm kind of glad, Kevin. I'm kind of glad that he's also in the same boat as the wrestlers, where he's just like, "Come on, just he's the rainmaker already. Come on, man, just let yeah. me call it. Let me call it." I think, I think uh, he even had, I think he even had Rocky say, "Oh, look, it's a devastating submission hold." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, Rocky, okay." <laughs> Rocky has to be the hype man for chaos. I get it. He's got a job to do. It's cool. Uh, to me, I've said that on Twitter specifically during the shows I was watching it. I get the reason why this needed to happen, given the history between the two, dating back to uh, that match all those years ago in RevPro that the two had against each other that got Osprey's foot in the door in the first place uh, to New Japan. Uh, again, we've gone over Osprey's behavior outside of the ring multiple times during the course of this podcast. Jeff and I have our particular feelings on him. Match-wise... This was fine. It ran long, but then again, most Okada matches at this point and them going into the 30-plus minute mark is something I've grown used to, so I just learned to live with it more than anything. But they hit their marks the way that they needed to. The Raymaker was very satisfying, I think, for everyone involved, especially everybody who was there at the Dome who had to probably contain themselves from screaming. And even that like didn't wasn't something that they completely did with the reaction that it got there at the end of that uh, match. The Japanese announcers freaked out accordingly, which I was very glad to see as well, especially with Milano being Milano for it. So <laughs> another one of the moment, another one of the moments I really regret not having the full crowd reactions for are, are that moment where uh, Osprey hits the tombstone in his own Rainmaker. I would have loved mm -hmm. to have heard how appalled the crowd would have been at that. Uh, uh, the, the booze would have been great for it. That was a fantastic little bit there for a false fall and just the eventual hoisted by your own petard uh, and the point in which you pissed off Okada enough to use the Rainmaker again. Congratulations. Now, um, I, I think I, I'm way above you, all of you, on this match. I, I love this match. I thought this was phenomenal. The best match of the weekend. Um, no, I liked it as well, definitely. No, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, liked, I, I liked it a lot. I, I, I liked it. It's just it could have been shorter, and I think the wrong person went over. That's all. I think um, I, I, th I think they got back on um, Dash, what they you know needed to do with Osprey, but we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get um, to that. But I again, I just the match itself, 
I just thought was phenomenal. I thought both were absolutely perfect. I think Osprey did a great job getting over the money clip anytime he was put into it. I thought he sold it like debt. Um, as much as he could, as much as he can in that move. <laughs> Um, I think I think as well, Lee, it, it was like one of the matches where all that mass that Osprey has put on made mm-hmm. this match all the better and made it seem like a real clash of heavyweights. You know, like that spot I mentioned where he hits the tombstone and then the Rainmaker before real he, impact. Yeah. Yeah. Before he put on that weight, like, yeah, it wouldn't have had that impact. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when a re- when we could have uh, on our shows, like of like a really kind of like light heavyweight guy doing a spear. It's like, yeah, well, come on. <laughs> Um, well, I, yeah. I, I love I love the story throughout the whole match because it starts with it's Okada doing the dive to start the match, and yeah. by the end of the match it's Osprey doing the Rainmaker, and so pissing off Okada that Okada has to return to being the motherfucking Rainmaker and lay him out with just one Rainmaker, and it's just the the story within the match itself was so brilliantly told by the both of them. I just thought it was phenomenal. Yeah, that is a thing though, is that it was only one Rainmaker, which you know mm-hmm. when was the last time that happened. You know? Yeah, like, but b- before he retired, it was like it was taking two, sometimes three rainmakers. Oh, God, just it was at help. least five. Yeah, like, <laughs> you know, come on. B- between the, the, the discus one and the fucking the short arm one, and then, you know, the, the eventual, the actual rainmaker. But yeah, no, like, just to see just one rainmaker and hear that pop, it was all worth the build, I thought. Yeah, I mean, it's fine. Like I said, they could have trimmed some time off of it, though, I, I thought. But, you know, that, that that's just me. And you know, the, the is- most interesting, the most interesting thing for me, I think, from watching it live specifically and doing the Twitter threads and the like and following what else was going on in the timeline as well was just the amount of wrestlers from really all sorts of companies, independent or otherwise, that watch the show and just to see their comments on it, because everybody was about singing, uh, basically singing Okada's praises in the aftermath of that match. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, it's re- it's a really interesting take when you consider how certain sides of the fan base feel about Kazuchika Okada over the past couple of years and how wrestlers feel about him. And it kind of goes back to what Jeff and I have talked about at certain points in which... Is it that time where the Okada conversation as the possible greatest of all time begins at this point with the resume he's put? So it's yeah. it's starting to get closer and closer to where like there, there's a case there already, but when does it start officially? It, it feels ridiculous in some ways to be saying, you know, does it start now? Because, you know, he's he's like you said, he's got this deep CV already that we, we probably should have started the conversation before. But on the other hand, dude's only 32. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I mean, yeah, <laughs> like, he, he still has. Yeah, you know, if his body can can maintain, he's still got at least you know ten years of, you know, m- main event wrestling left in him. You know, he, he he won't be doing opening comedy tag matches anytime soon. You know. No. But you know, so be yeah, it. it's gonna, it's a it's a wait and see approach, but it does feel like things are on the horizon for him to eventually make a return back into the main event scene at some point in 2021. When that happens, though, it's very much a wait-and-see approach. Oh, so I, I, I have my ideas. <laughs> so we'll, we can talk. We can, we can discuss them probably once we get closer to the ending of the show, Ben, yeah, since... I, I think so. Uh, our main event of the first night of Wrestle Kingdom 15, the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships, double gold, match Kota Ibushi overcomes Tetsuya Naido uh to become the 73rd IWGP heavyweight champion and the 27th IWGP intercontinental champion this match was fantastic 
What a blast. Uh, one like, one prayer for both of their necks throughout that entire process because Ooh, they did not boy. hesitate one bit on those at all. Like anybody who was worried about, oh, and whatever's going to happen, like the Dominion match and everything else, and they're just like, eh, fuck it, what do they know? And just went at it as they usually tend to in their matches. Their matches have always been very physical, very much uh, they will take offense on their necks because that's the level of trust that they have with one another, and it was no different than this one. Um, once again, that hurricane runner from the apron to the outside was the damnedest thing I've ever seen, and I legitimately thought Naito's leg broke outright when he hit the guardrail the way oh, it did. Oh, yes. It, oh, God. That, there were so many cringeworthy bumps or like you're just like yeah that was amazing but jesus christ is he dead you know i mean again it it was it was a naido it was a a naido versus a bushi match you know and just i love it how you know the stino and comic boy regularly didn't get things done and that it took ibushi taking off the knee pad basically kneeing naito to death with that jumping knee before the exposed knee coming going to get it done. And my favorite touch in the aftermath of it all, as the music was playing and, you know, the announcement had been made by the English voice announcer, Ibushi was still trying to pin him. He didn't, yeah. he didn't know it was over. And I'm just like, that is the most Kota Ibushi thing I've seen. And I love it. Every <laughs> just so well done. Oh my God. Uh, Lee. Uh, this was like the most Naito Ibushi match possible. Um, I will say, I think that the head bumps, neck bumps, I thought they did them safer than they've ever done them. But that's not to diminish that the fact that they actually did them, because again, they're Naito and Ibushi, that's what they do. Um, I will agree with you that um, the Rana to the outside, it looked like it snapped Naito's leg when it went through the guardrail. Jesus, that was horrifying. Um and yeah, the, the finish, like just death by knee, it was fucking, it was so incredibly vicious and just like, just seeing it and you just, you, when you realize this is it, Ibushi's going to get his moment. It was just a great release, I think, for everybody. I, I, yeah. I really, I really appreciate the fact that Naito handed Ibushi the titles himself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was, it was very well done. And plus. As Naito fans, for Jeff and I specifically, we know how it feels to wait for that moment for mm-hmm. a long, long time. So, like, for a lot of the Ibushi fans who've been waiting for this for years, who had to, like, watch Kenny Omega get this sort of moment first it, uh, beforehand and do the, you know, Golden Lovers thing, Ibushi get cast aside in the process, everything in between. Just, it, it was nice to see that finally happen for them. So, um, yeah. W- w- one, one thing I forgot to mention, I loved... When Coda went for the uh, the Phoenix Splash and missed, I don't know who it was that said it. Some, somebody I know said it. Like that felt like it was going to be Naito's Stardust Press moment. Oh yeah. Oh, boy, I, yeah. I, I had mm-hmm. that. I had that same thought. You're you're right. I had that same thought. Um, Dave, you haven't said much. Yeah, this this match was excellent. I don't know what what more I can add to it. You know, on the neck bumps thing and the them beating the shit out of each other. I think the I think of a tweet I saw where it's like, look, you know, we're all worried about it, but at the same time, this match is going to do what it says on the tin. No matter how much hand wringing or worrying about it, these two guys are just going to do that. So you kind of either have to not watch it or you have to go right. They're going to like 
try to brutalize each other and you just got to hope that as usual they somehow managed to evade serious injury and they did here i shrieked as well when it looked like naito had snapped his leg in the uh in the guardrail um but yeah it was just excellent and i think you know yourself and myself jeff when i was on the show last we talked about like this this kind of has to be the moment for abushi this year at the dome and there was that release of both it finally being his time and the relief that they're actually doing it as well uh, when the win happened. And yeah, I loved the Kota Ibushi moment of him being so out of it at the end that he didn't know it was over and trying to make the cover still. Yeah. Um, you know, it, again, it, it, Chris and I have, have played Naito's case over and over over the years. And, you know, I, you know, I, I, I'm satisfied now. He had his long run. Yes, there was an interruption because of the pandemic and yes there was you know that 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 six weeks where he wasn't the champion because of you know evil had the titles but i mean naito's a two-time double gold champion now you know he's the only one who's a two-time double gold champion i think naito's naito's in the history books now and and here's the other thing he's not going anywhere he's not going to drop down the cards like you know down to tanahashi level overnight He's going to be in main events for the next couple of years. He's going to get another title run. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, he has to. And, I mean, and we knew the second that Ibushi signed pen to paper with New Japan exclusively back in 2019, we were like, yep, it, it is only a matter of time that he gets the, the, the IWGP heavyweight title. Yeah, it wasn't, an, it wasn't an if anymore. It was just a matter of when. And... While I wish for Ibushi himself that he would have been able to have that moment in front of a sold out, you know, as much of a large crowd at the Tokyo Dome as you could do it. I'm just glad that he got this. He can say he's on the history books that he made this point that he made. He made it to his goal at this point, which is to kind of climb the top of the mountain. And, you know, we'll delve into that a little bit more once we're done with the day two portion of the Tokyo Dome. Yeah. Yeah. Happy for him. Yeah. His his apotheosis was not complete yet as there was a next night of Wrestle Kingdom. And uh, let's get into that one now. Uh, uh, Night two from January 5th, 2020. Uh, Of course, the first Two matches were untelevised dark matches uh, from Stardom. Uh, let, let's we'll, we'll do the the results, uh, Chris. You may have to provide some context, even though you know obviously nobody saw these except if you were in attendance. But um, the uh, the new uh, what's the name what, what's the name of the main champion in 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 Stardom called? Yeah. Uh- Wonder of Stardom, I believe. Is the the it Wonder is. of Stardom champion Utami Hayashishida, Saya Kamitani, and Azumi from Queen's Quest defeated uh, a Donna Del Mundo trio of Micah, Natsupoi, and Himeka with Kamitani uh, hitting Natsupoi with a Phoenix Splash. And then uh, another. Also, World... my apologies on that. World of Stardom. World of Stardom. I meant Sorry. to say that. Yeah. Sorry. The Wonder of Stardom is the title that Julia is holding, which is the second belt. It's the white belt. The red ah, belt okay. is World of Stardom, which is the big one for them. Gotcha. And then Sayuri has a, a title, too. Yes, it's the SWA Championship, I believe. Her and Julia had some sort of unification match for it that went to a draw at one point. So uh, it was right. Be- yeah, it was like the last Stardom show, I think. It was on uh, the 20th of December. Leading up to it, something like that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, they defeated uh, 
a, a, a mixed team of Mayu Iwatani and Tom Nakano with uh, Julia hitting glorious driver on Tom Nakano. Which for a lot of the Joshi fans, the opinion on Julia is very much split ever since she left Ice Ribbon a couple of years back to go to stardom in some very nefarious, shady manners in a way. And with her getting the push that she is, either people love her or people hate her. It's just there there seems to be like no in between on that particular discourse. But that she seems like that. It's one of the people that Rossi is going to be pushing for the next couple of years over there, especially as uh, she's got her own faction now with Donna Del Mundo. So, and they were all featured in these two matches at that. So it kind of shows the amount of faith that stardom is showing on them. Yeah. Well, we're not going to get into that. We, we kind of got yeah. into it last episode, so we're not going to do it this time. We'll, we'll let Joshi Twitter handle that discourse accordingly because they know much more than we do here. So, yeah. So, getting into the main show, uh, we have the provisional KOPW 2021 four-way match in which, of course, who else? Toriano pins Bushi after <laughs> after Folly and Owens take take Bushi out. You know, Yano, of course, has to you know do his very famous shoot Greco-Roman punch the nuts and uh, <laughs> and pin Bushi in the aftermath. I mean, th- there's no point in talking about this match, is there? <laughs> No. Listen, I, 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 I'm okay with the Yano finish, but why Bushi had to take the fall, man? This is bullshit. Just roll up Chase Owens or something. Yeah, it's not seriously. like he's doing anything else. Bushi I, deserves much better than this. I, I learned my lesson from day one, and with the knowledge that Bad Luck Fale and Chase Owens were in this match, I stayed in bed a little longer. Okay, well, there you go. <laughs> you did good, Dave. You did better than most of us on that uh, one. You, no you missed almost the, the best finish of the night. With the um, finger poke of doom, tease to start the match. Oh yeah, oh. I did. I did see that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I did see well, that. Twenty twenty-three years later, or twenty? Yeah, twenty-three years later would have been twenty. 22. No, twenty-two years. Yeah, because. Um, oh, I can't yeah, wait for so you that, guys. To, I can't wait for you guys to start covering that period of of uh, WCW. Well, I, I think we have something special planned for that particular episode. Oh, are you doing yeah. another nights at Nitro? <laughs> the mystery <laughs> the intrigue all right so yano toriano once again the provisional kopw because i mean what the hell else is he gonna do <laughs> i mean they, they don't even, i mean they don't even they didn't they don't even feature the comedy titles anymore you know <laughs> this is what happens when yoshihashi holds a title folks <laughs> they just <laughs> And now we just quietly retire the comedy titles. Yes, we've given it the Yoshihashi. Uh, our second match of the main show, uh, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championship. Also, maybe a, a set of titles that needs to be quietly retired at this point. Um, El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru retain against uh, Ryusuke Taguchi and Master Wado. Uh, I'm going to say at least Kawato didn't get pinned in this one. Yeah, I'm glad about that. Yeah. Let let the gooch let the gooch take the pen on that. <laughs> the gooch. <laughs> <laughs> the gooch. Oh boy. Yeah. Uh Dave, Lee, do you have any comments on this match or 
I mean, let the gooch take the pit is a harrowing sentence out of context, but other than that, I don't have a lot to add. I mean, good good on Tenzon taking a bump in a match he wasn't even in, so that was my main takeaway from it. <laughs> he just wanted to be involved like the team that he is, so I can appreciate that. I mean, he, he, he is, he, he is, uh, I, I will say this, uh, Kawato's coat that he wore coming out, that was, that was pretty swag, I thought. I think between the new coat and the hair being a l- much darker blue shade mm-hmm. rather than the bubblegum, like, blueberry shade that it was when he came back initially, I think it's a better look for him going forward, just so the co- the colors match up a little bit better, in my opinion, that way. Especially with coat, so. And, and remember, he is not—he is not the grandmaster. He is working his way to being the grandmaster. Just, just remember. Never claimed he was the grand. Indeed. Third match of the show, uh, possibly. I think this might actually be my my match of the show of the entire uh, cycle. Uh, Shingo Takagi defeating Jeff Cobb for the, to retain the never open weight title. Oh my god, this match fucking banged. This match ruled so hard. I loved it so much. <laughs> I, I was waiting, I'm waiting for Dave to speak. <laughs> this is your big meaty men slapping meat match of the weekend. Like, it was fucking awesome. I loved it so much. It's like, I I think every time I've appeared on a podcast where Jeff Cobb has come up in conversation, I've mentioned about how there's no wrestler in the world I'm more willing to find that extra gear. And I think he's somebody that you know, unless he's in with the right guy, sometimes he lacks the music between the notes. But when, I think from the moment the, the, there's a hard zoom in on him as he's coming out on the ramp, I'm like, OK, Jeff Cobb is here. <laughs> he, he has arrived for this match. Um, and oh, my God, they beat the shite out of each other. It was incredible. And it was the exact Jeff Cobb you want. It was brutish he was he's gone full matanza in this match and i loved it um Mm -hmm. and i think you know uh, our our misgivings about uh will osprey aside if the ultimate legacy of the empire is that this is the jeff cobb we get in new japan i'm on board i'm actually 100 with dave on this i do think at this point that if this is the sort of focus and intensity that cobb is going to be bringing going forward and he's like found that extra gear and stuff is starting to click for him now with the new japan portion of things that this was the best possible move that they could have made because like you said dave shades of the monster matanza cueto were seen in this match including that real sweet looking you know power slam moonsault that he did on shingo at one point oh my god that was amazing i thought so late in the match as well yeah, the suplex on the outside as well, too. Uh, just the flip bump that he took in that pumping bomber, just that he died. For me in particular, this is just so much sweeter. Seeing the hints that they did with one another in person for that 2018 Battle of Los Angeles final when mm-hmm. they first met with Bandito there as the third man for for that, which was one of the best BOLA finals I think I've ever seen altogether. So it's just... Yeah. It's following that over the last two plus years now at this point and seeing a culmination of that at the Dome with the way they did it. Phenomenal. Probably the best match of the weekend for me as well, too. Yeah. Just this is, 
this is the one that I have the will will I go the full five on because I was just I was losing my goddamn mind for the whole thing. I think it was the perfect length as well. And and something else that you kind of hit on there, Chris, like even deep into the match, something that happens in Jeff Cobb matches a lot is that he does power moves that don't that have a surprisingly little amount of impact feeling to them. But this was he was sinking his shit in. It looked great. It looked devastating. Full, as we both said, full Matanza. Um, and yeah, I just, I, I can't get enough of this match. And, you know, we've talked about Jeff Cobb this whole time. Chingo. Holy shit. Amazing as well. It yeah, goes Kurt, without saying, I guess. I, I, Chris, I, I think, every, go I, ahead. Say, I think every, everyone's aware of like just how powerful Chingo is and, <laughs> and what a unit he is. Yeah. But to see him like, what, 15, 20 minutes in, like he picked up Cobb with absolute ease for the last of the dragon. Like, and it's just like, he may as well have been in there with like a junior again. And it was just yeah. everything the two of them did was so, so impactful, so smooth as well. Yeah. But and, just, and, all, it all landed so perfectly. I thought that like just perfect opponents for this stage. Yeah. And just a final thing there that I think like if, you know, people are talking about will the, the, the two belts, the, the heavyweight title and the IC belt be unified and then the, the never open weight be pushed as kind of the, the second belt. And I think if that is a goal, these kind of matches, mm-hmm. I, I will have no problem buying it as the, the number two belt if this is what we're going to get. Mm hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, of course, I, I have not exactly been silent about my, my, my great love of, of Shingo Takagi on this program. Um, in fact, you know, I, I've been telling Chris, you know, I'm only recently... Sorry, my dogs have some opinions here, uh, apparently. <laughs> um, they, uh, you know, I... I I, I quit watching Dragon Gate around the time that Shingo left because I was just like, well, that's, you know, a major part of why I was into Dragon Gate was gone. And, you know, I'm only just now getting back into Dragon Gate because of, you know, a certain unit that, that's been formed. But, yeah, Shingo has been my New Japan Wrestler of the Year for the last two years running, and uh, I think he's going, he's already going for three at this point. <laughs> Which was the best part, because at the end of that match, I initially thought, I'm like, yeah, one match into the year already, and Shingo Takagi's making the case for Jeff's favorite wrestler of the year for the third year running at this point. I mean, my God, yeah, I, I just, I, I, I am, I, I'm just going to gush about this match for the rest of the show. If we don't, it's if we it's don't great, on, great performances, so. and it, I mean, it's... look... We're not even Bonkers. talking about like the deadlift wheelbarrow suplex that happened at some point in that match as well. Jesus Christ. I was just going to say, it's it's funny that Chris would have the reaction that, you know, already Jeff is going to have his favorite wrestler of the year, whereas my first reaction was to, like, at Dave on Twitter going, my God, you have to watch this match <laughs> for Jeff Cobb. That's so great. Yeah. Oh, oh, my God. I, I, and it's the thing for for your other podcast, Endeavor, Jeff, that I this makes me more excited for if we get Jeff Cobb back in AEW at some mm-hmm. point, because it seemed like that was the kind of energy he was bringing to AEW as well. Um and there are some hosses I would like to see him uh, throwing around with an AEW oh, as well. Yeah. Can, I, can I do a bit of fantasy, fantasy booking here for uh, AEW? No, you Just while we're on subjects. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> Seeing as it was Jericho that brought in Jeff Cobb yeah. initially, how about when uh, Jericho gets booted from the inner circle, which is coming, he brings back Jeff Cobb as his muscle to take on Wardlow and Swagger. Well, and... Part, part of me was going to say Cobb and Wardlow tag team run. Oh, after, like yeah, the give me that. boys. <laughs> well, uh, but again, this was something I was going to broach when we get to Dash, but give me Jeff Cobb in a tag team in New Japan now. Like, get, get, get find him a partner. 
What? Uh, o- Ocon not available? Okay. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, they, maybe you want to keep him away from the tag titles. I don't know. But uh, yeah. fair. Yeah, I see what you mean. Mm. But I mean, him and Ocon could be really good if they do decide to make have those two be the tag team for the Empire side. while Osprey chases singles title stuff. It, it's a simple enough thing for like a three man unit so far into it. So yeah, and, 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 Ocon and Cobb. Did pretty well in the tag league too. Don't forget. Mm-hmm. So I, I was pleasantly surprised with how well they gelled together as a team for sure. Because it, it's sad. It seemed like that was Rampage Rampage Brown's spot to have in the Empire. But if this is the Jeff Cobb that we're getting going forward, I'm kind of glad things worked out the way that they did. Yeah. Our next. Speaking of uh, tag teams, we have uh, the tale of a tag team that split up as uh, Sonata defeats Evil. Now, I feel bad for this match because it happened in between Shingo and Cobb and Hiromu and Ishimori. But the fact of the matter, it it was a good match. It was just kind of there, though, you know? I mean, at least, to their credit, at least this was like a rivalry match, you know, a betrayal revenge match that didn't start with a collar and elbow tie-up, at least. You know, mm. you know, as yeah, the old, as the old, ta- as the old joke goes. Yes, know. I was talking with John Pingo of Tornado Tag as well too. As this was happening, I'm going, "Thank the fucking gods, they did not go for a collar elbow tie up." And John was like, "I would have just shut the laptop off right there and then had that been the case." And I'm like, "You know what? I, that's understandable because yeah, yeah, because you, you build this as a rivalry thing and then brawling all over the place and you don't follow up on that to start the matches." Kind of a yeah, with the, yeah, because like, yeah, lest we forget, Okada and Osprey started off with a collar and elbow tie. <laughs> was uh, and I saw, yeah. I just rolled my, I just rolled my eyes so hard when I saw that. I was like, oh, because Dave Lee, I don't know if you're aware, there was, there is or was a Twitter account out there uh, called, I think it was just called like uh, Typical Indie Wrestler or something, and. Right. The, one of the best tweets from this account was, said something to the effect of, "We're gonna have our uh, our, our blood feud, you know, dog collar blow off match, and start it with a collar and elbow tie up." <laughs> I, I think I've seen that. Yeah, yeah. Pretty good. So it, it's one that we kind of refer to frequently amongst Chris and myself. So, but yeah, I mean, it was a decent match at least. But yeah, it just had the the the, the placement problem of being where it was, you know. Yeah. It was fine, yeah. Uh, I just, like, it, it's a thing where I just can't even pretend to care about evil, personally. And I know, I I, I don't want to delay too much because of uh, what a what an enthusiast for Sonata Lee is. So I'll, I'll cede my time to him because I'm sure he wants to, to gush over his main man. But uh, I do think that, uh, you know, a guy, he's a guy that the, the company is very high on, obviously, and I think still, even with the clap crowds, the reactions he gets are very encouraging for them. Yeah, um, I mean, Sonata, who, who are we talking about, Evil or Sonata at this point? Sonata. Okay, yeah, I mean, they... so yeah, Sonata is a, a story of, of potential that is there, but it has never really been fully realized, because, I mean, Keiji Muto saw a bunch in him, you know, both in, in all Japan and Russell one. And he's just been kind of like almost a fifth wheel in Los Angobernables. I mean, th- he has his fans to be sure. And he's not a bad wrestler, but I mean, com- comparatively. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've I've seen comparisons. People have drawn drawn the comparisons that he's very much one for the the Japanese crowds because a lot of kind of uh american and european wrestling twitter aren't as on board as a lot of the japanese crowds and fans seem to be um and i don't know whether that is down to his matches entirely or his personality or as you say him being the 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 fifth wheel in a group i guess this will be the year where we find out we cut the wheat from the chaff and see see where it goes now that um evil has been out of the way for a while in that group and he's got his his feud over with for the time being now and we'll see where he goes next um but yeah yeah i feel you lee do you have anything to to add to this yeah well as dave pointed out i am the sonata apologist i i enjoy me some sonata that's and, so and that's cool you know and that's fine we i i like sonata i don't he doesn't stand out to me though you know it's um, the problem i think after like coming into last year like you know, I was waiting for him to show a bit more. I think he has. I think he had that good G1 run. Um, again, oh, yeah. I, I thought a great, a great performance in the G1 final. But again, he's in there with Ibushi, so, you know, it's to be expected. Mm-hmm. But I, th- I thought this match was very good. Like, again, for the spot on the cards, there's two bigger matches coming after it. You know, they didn't need to, again, steal the show. But I thought both, like, look at the reactions from the crowd. The crowd were way into this. Yeah, and again, it, it does it, it does feel like it's a very much a Western thing to not be into Sonata. But again, I get it. I get I get that he lacks sometimes lacks the fire, and like even Rocky on on commentary was screaming for him, you know, to get angry and fire up. So I I get that I get the criticisms, but for me, whether it's just I'm drawn to him, I don't know. But I I really want to see where he goes now, from here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, and for a while, e- Evil was the one I thought Evil had surpassed Sonata, you know, as far as a singles wrestler in 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 Los Angeles. And now, of course, you know, we we all know where he's at now. Um, I mean, Evil I think, played his part well, I thought, in this match. Mm-hmm. Him and uh, Dick Togo did what they needed to do oh, within God, this that, one. As he been as he mentioned, like the match itself in its place. It was kind of in an awkward spot, but they did the best they could. And Dick Togo basically gets the bump of the night award alone for just elbow <laughs> dropping a table and shattering it into a million Holy pieces. shit. Dick Togo, man. <laughs> it, 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 better than a lot of people actually trying elbow drops. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that was one of these scenarios. Like, I was watching them, the, the, again, watching the show with my son, Connor, who's eight. And he turned to me at one stage and he's like, why did he elbow drop the table? <laughs> Because and they, I was just like, because it looked brilliant. That's why. Because he saw John yeah. Cena there. And, and and the other thing too is that like the day after, like he shows up like all dressed to the nines, and I'm just like, so that's the reason why he dressed up like the bum in the fifth. He wasn't going to tear his fits on the uh, elbow drop for a table that just shatters into a million pieces. Good up, Dick Togo. Make that new, make that Bushi Road money at this point. With the, 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 Just doing the bare minimum. That, like that table does man. deserve my drip. The, 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 the legend, Dick Togo. <laughs> for sure. But no, very good stuff. I'm glad that's another one because it sets certain things up we'll go into here mm-hmm. later on as well. And I don't think Evil is out of place for losing this one he just made one key mistake with the help that he always brings in and he got caught and paid for it but i guess 
if there is one extra note to add to Sonata, please. Skull End is what it is, but the Galleria is right there as a move with that same setup. Please start using it. There you go. Yep. Our semi-main event, uh, another match that's going to rate very highly on my my list of great matches uh, for, yes. for this year. Uh, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championship, Hiromu Takahashi reunited with Beltson after defeating the man who took Beltson from him back in, at Summer Circle in Jingo, Taiji Ishimori. This match banged, too. I, I love this match so much. This was... this was like the best 25 minute sprint I may have ever seen in my life. Yeah. This this was everything uh the Hiromu ELP match wasn't. Like it 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 went 100 miles an hour. It uh it it banged. Both guys were really impressive and the right guy won. Yeah, Hiromu Takahashi, the the unquestioned junior ace of New Japan Pro Wrestling. The first time we've had one of those since Kushida took off mm-hmm. for 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 uh, parts unknown. I wonder what happened to him. Hope he's doing. Yeah. Hope he's doing well. Uh, Fingers crossed. But yeah, I boy. I mean, it, it's great that they made this the semi-main uh, of night two because it it, it was the, the the proper place for it. Honestly. With with Hiromu showing out and showing he can, you know he he can handle that spot on the card, you know. Yeah, to me, I think this is Hiromu's official audition for a Tokyo Dome main eventer spot at one point, and he passed it with flying colors. Yeah, I I, I think more than more than even the match itself, and you know how great it was, it was getting this spot, being put in this spot, and being trusted in delivering in this spot on like the double dome like like uh, chris just said like this this is hiromu's arrival now hiromu irrespective of being a junior he's a top guy in this company now yeah and it's a credit to ishimori as well for holding the fort the way that he did during the course of the summer mm-hmm. playing a fantastic antagonist throughout this entire process as well and that's somebody who for a couple of years there seemed like he was just going to be almost in a rut of sorts where he might challenge for a title now and then on the junior division, but then not have that big moment. So to see him get a moment like this one at the dome too, is pretty cool as well. And, and so. to, to, to like, just say like we mentioned Tangaloa, like who could have seen where his career were going? Who like, who could have seen Taiji Ishimori Tokyo dome semi-main eventer when he left Noah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, that, that, that's absolutely true. Actually. No, I, I, I agree. But, but, I mean, can you imagine where we'd be had Tetsuya Naito decided to put young lion Hiromu Takahashi on his shoulders? I mean, what, what... It would be a really different world, to say the least. And I'm kind of scared of that world, to be honest. <laughs> Whoever's living on that alternate reality, if you can make it to this one... Please do for your own sakes, because <laughs> well, but, I don't. I, I don't think it's happier times over there. Well, you, well, you would know. have had is David Finley in this match instead. Well, you oh, never God. know. <laughs> well, you know what? It, you never know. It could have been. That could also be the universe where Cassiari Shibata didn't fuck himself up irreparably too. So also true. Yeah, it's it could be the same giveth, universe. You, t- you don't you know. Giveth, you giveth, you take. If I guess. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> But yeah, th- th- this one, I, yeah, this was a, a go the full five one for me. Um, quite frankly, I I, I just I, I love this match to death. 
and, and considering this has been the week, considering this was supposed to be the weaker of the two shows, <laughs> two matches that I, I absolutely love and are going to be on my top matches of the year list for 2021. You know, says yeah. something. It says something about reading the quality of a card uh, based on paper at this point. Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So, and with that, we get to our main event of the entire weekend. Well, not weekend, but you know what I mean. I did that last yeah. show too. I kept calling it a weekend. <laughs> it wasn't a weekend. Um, yeah, it's just because we had the one set of dome shows that was on like a Saturday and Sunday, respectively, and our internal clocks at this point for Wrestle Kingdom are all messed up. You know, so they, it really, is what you it know is. What? they really just need to go to the Saturday and Sunday dome shows if they're going to do this, because that way we can watch them. We can all watch them live and, you know, not completely wreck <laughs> our, 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 our employment. But <laughs> with that being said, the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental Championships, Kota Ibushi defeats Jay White in the third longest ever Tokyo Dome match. Well, actually, well, not, maybe, maybe not even the Tokyo Dome. It, it is the longest Tokyo Dome match. I take that back. Yeah, this, it is was. The, this is the third longest mm-hmm. IWGP title match since yeah. we've been keeping track of this, Chris. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the other two, and... of course, being matches featuring Kazuchika Okada versus Kenny Omega. Yes, and then uh, also you had... Um... Wasn't it Tenzan and Kojima at one point going nearly 60 minutes? Well, yeah, but that was, but we weren't tracking it then is what I'm saying. I mean, right. In, in the yeah, time no, we've I been tracking this, yes. I, I see what you mean now, yeah. Here's what I'll say, though, just right off the bat, because at the time in which it was happening live, I felt that my body was tapping out and that it was either stay up and probably fall asleep like within the first few minutes and not give this match like it's due or go to sleep wake up first thing in the morning and then just watch it like uninterrupted, which I ended up doing the latter. And I've got to say to me specifically, yes, this ran long. It's something that maybe could have used like five to 10 minutes less if they wanted to go that route to compress it. But it might be my bet favorite Jay white match since him and juice Robinson, all those years back at, uh, uh, the, uh, show at the cow palace. Oh Yeah. Yeah, this was definitely yeah. Jay White's best best outing in in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I do agree it was it it, it was very long, but you know what? I'll tell you what, for most of it you didn't feel it. Yeah, yeah. it was definitely that situation watching it fresh like that. I'm like, wow, it was 48 minutes. It surprisingly didn't feel like that because they made all the things that they needed to do matter and I think the story of Jay White having Ibushi's number for the past three times and then having this be the, hey, go for broke or otherwise you're just kind of an eternal loser situation with Ibushi. It played really well into the story. And, I mean, both guys left everything out there for this one. I I dug it very much. I'm almost surprised that there wasn't a blade job in this match the way it was going, honestly. Mm -hmm. True. Yeah, I I feel like um, the only criticism I can have is, is like you said, is the is the length of the match because as Chris was saying, everything in it in the actual match, the contents of it were fantastic, and even if the you know the whole story of Wrestle Kingdom is, is Kota Ibushi's story, this match was the story of Jay White putting on the the elite performance uh, that a lot of people who were 
laughed at in years past when a lot of us weren't sold on Jay White, knew he was capable of. This was his defining moment in some ways. And, you know, we'll talk about the aftermath of it and the things Jay has said and the things people have read into it. But um, holy hell, what a high note to finish Wrestle Kingdom on. And yeah, just a, a, you don't you don't want to denigrate Kota Bushi's performance here because he is fantastic. But it, it really felt like this was Jay White's masterpiece. Yeah, and uh, to, to, to to cap that off, uh, you know, we get the challenge from uh, Lee's favorite wrestler in all this, uh, Seiya Sonata. <laughs> I love that. I haven't talked about the match, but yeah, my favorite wrestler comes out at the end, so five stars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> See, there you go. Um, no, look, I thought, I thought the match, like um, Chris and Dave already said, probably went a little bit long for my liking, but again, I fully agree with Dave. This felt like Jay White just you want to talk about arriving on the big stage and just having your absolute best performance in the biggest possible moments. Um, and again, it's the story he told throughout the match where he began like ultra cocky and then he just breaks down as the match goes longer and longer till by the end, he's just screaming at Ibushi to quit. Like, and you know, when he's ramming him between the, the ring and the um, guardrail for like the, the hundredth time, and he's almost close to tears. He's just so frustrated. I just, again, just masterful stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it, this really did show the, the the Switchblade character being, you know, the 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 edgy edge lord that we all know he is. You know, that the way mm-hmm. he acts, which it, it, it works. He, he Jay White just does this so well. Yeah. And it, it's amazing how well he does it. I mean, it, Chris brought up, you know, the the match between, you know. Jay and Juice at the at the Cow Palace in, in San Francisco. And of course, you know, that match is more noted for, you know, Jay Barn you know, Josh Barnett's shoot than anything. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, the fact that Jay White managed to not only incite that, however accidental that might have been with one particular bump, but the fact that he egged it on further during the match and just made that crowd completely turn on him and just be a hundred and ten percent for Juice. As he got that pinfall eventually that got him the U.S. title is just it's proof of just when the character work, when the things when things click, just it makes for these sort of brilliant little moments. And he had plenty of that during this match as well, where he was showing himself to be every bit as capable on the wrestling side of the fence to be Ibushi's equal, but just there was something more that Ibushi had over him and it frustrated him to no end. At yeah, that point. And, and, and I think a lot of the things that we miss is like some of the the little things that that Jay does. Like, you know, one of the first things I picked up on was in that G1 match he had with Okada where he he beat Okada. And when Okada was going to Rainmaker, uh, Jay, Jay threw up the elbow to hit uh, Red Shoes so that, you know, just little shit like that, you know. Or the way, or the, just the way he called out Tanahashi at New Year Dash after Wrestle Kingdom 13 for the mm-hmm. title. They're just like Tanahashi, you know, <laughs> you know, it's just, or, or or the way he was egging the crowd on during you know lockdown during G1. It's like, come on, start cheering for him, you know, start yelling for him. Mm-hmm. Oh, you can't, <laughs> you know. The the <laughs> ultimate shithouse, as we'd say over here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he just is so good at it. And that's what makes and, and and that is what made that 
that post-match promo mm -hmm. what it was. Where it, 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 it's, it, I mean, you, you can make the co lazy comparisons to, you know, a certain president of the United States on Twitter, but just breaking down, like, you know, th th this isn't how it was supposed to be, you know? <laughs> like, but, you know, but everybody told me I was the best, you know? <laughs> that that sort of <laughs> shit, you know? And I, I, I loved, like, he mentions, like, this was supposed to be my destino. I was the my one that era, was supposed to be my God. My new era, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's like, he never has anything of his own. He has to link to, like he mentions, Everyone his destino, like, like Naito. He wants to be God like Ibushi. Like, it's it's that storytelling. Like, he needs his own thing. He needs to be his own person to reach his moments. And it's when he realizes that, that's going to be when the magic really happens. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, so, okay, so let, 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 let's, okay, well, let's wrap up, you know, this, of course. We mentioned, you know, say a Sonata. Mm -hmm. uh, challenges Ibushi for the next Pro one. Wrestling's so Greatest Hope, Sonata, at that. Thank you very much. <laughs> he, he, he specified that he was very specific <laughs> in that regard. He said it twice, so we shouldn't trust him as such. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Is that going to be his new gimmick now? Honestly, should, I am completely be. okay with it. If, if I start, if, you know what? If, if, if Seiya Sonata starts coming out in like a Ric Flair robe, he announces pro wrestling's greatest hope. You know what? I I am totally on board for this. I mean, he, he's gonna shock shock everybody when he makes a bushy tap to the um the skull the paradise lock. <laughs> I'm paradise lock. I mean, paradise lock could be used as a legitimate finisher. Milano did the submission not on it proper with the lock and everything else. I mean, hey, it's an avenue to pursue. But alongside that challenge being made, because they, you know, were neck-to-neck -neck in the G1. And Sonata has technically beaten the double champion in Naito during the course of the G1 and won basically a number one contender's match against Evil in this. So him being the next challenger is the right call to make. It's a fresh main event to explore as well for New Beginning. Well, but, it, well except for the G1 final, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, true, but... It, more so like it's its own like highlighted thing rather than the two guys who made it out of the G1 being the finalists main event type of thing. What I will say though is this. Um, again, we were talking for a while over the past few months and Bushi's like, well, I want to become God. I want to become God. And then he declares it outright. I'm God now. Thanks. <laughs> Which is just, that's going to be fun. Just on, on that, like his entrance where he's descending down the stairs, holding the titles. I mean, you want to talk about God coming down to be on somebody else's level. Yeah. Like, talk about symbolism. Yeah. Well, it, it, yeah, and and the way he descended, too, is because, I mean, he, he was wearing one title, holding the other. Mm -hmm. Everyone, you know, absolutely everybody else on Wrestle Kingdom had, like, a special entrance, like, a, you know, a new, you know, a new robe or a new, you know, jacket or something, you know, Naito had a, you know, a new drip, you know, new, new suit coming out. And then here's Coda just wearing his, 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 his short boys, you know, <laughs> it's just like, which I am very, God, a very you know? Kota, it's a very Kota Ibushi thing. It's just like, I am who I am and I'm about to become God regardless of how, how I look, which yeah, it's very much on brand for him at yeah. this point, I would say. But 
so let's talk some some aftermath of this immediate aftermath so the first thing that ibushi swore was that he says he was going to unify the titles which puts a nice little confusion as to what the status of these titles actually are because so it are they two separate titles are we turning this into like a situation like the triple crown what the fuck's going on with these belts yeah, I think we'll have to wait and see what happens when New Japan actually has like an official press conference regarding New Beginning, just how they'll line up the matches, because they'll probably have some amount, possibly have some announcement regarding that, but the way he described <laughs> probably, it that, Probably within an hour of us posting this show, yes. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but the way they described that post, uh, during that post-show uh, conference, was that Ibushi wants to unify the titles, but he'll do whatever the office wants to do with them, whether that's to unify them or to defend them separately. Or if somebody wants to challenge for one of the titles, he'll defend just that one title kind of thing. So right. he's uh, I mean, flexible with it, but he wants the unification. Is yeah, what I, mean, I understood. Na- Naido kept asking that question too, and we never got a fucking answer about it. Yeah, this is true. So hopefully 2021 will yield these answers for us sooner rather than later. Yeah. Uh, what do you got? What do What do you two think about? I mean, should they be unified? Should they be split up again? Uh, yeah, to I, me, I, I I'd split them. Um, I think the company has so many headliners that you know why not have two top titles? You know, they can de- absolutely do split cards then. I mean, they, that, I mean that was kind of the solution to Shinsuke Nakamura mm-hmm. way back mm-hmm, when, yes. and of course, you know, the the solution to Kenny Omega was to just create a whole title for him. Yeah. You know, so yeah. I mean, like. And again, Sonata would be somebody that would be ideal to take the IC title. Yeah, I do I, agree with that. He or evil for that matter. I think um, I get a lot of people's arguments about uh, either way, splitting them or, or unifying them, because I do think that given what we said about uh, Shingo and Jeff Cobb, if the idea might be to make the Never Open weight the secondary title, there's a lot of potential there at the moment. But for me, the idea of splitting them, the only hang-up I have is that it's, it's in a booking sense, it's very difficult to negotiate that dismount of splitting them up without making the IC belt look distinctly inferior. And that would be my one worry. Um, but, you know, no, no better company, I guess, to, to try and... and quickly rehab a secondary title yeah i mean I, yeah i just don't know I, I mean i think that basically i just want them to, to shit or get off the pot with regard to this you know mm-hmm. again i mean naito kept i mean naito was bitching about throughout his whole reign what what is the deal with these titles <laughs> i have them both but what do i do with them you know it's it's yeah. it's one of those things but, of course, you know, the thing that everybody else focused on, including us just a little bit ago, was Jay White's post-match. And, I mean, <clears throat> and, and this promo was, I mean, the, the, the promo was a masterpiece mm-hmm. of, 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 you know, post-match promos. But what do you guys think is going to happen with this? Especially since ye- yesterday the rumors started coming hot and heavy about Jay possibly going to to NXT. Yeah, I think there's a lot of... I'm sure with Jay White being as young as he is, looking the way he does and being as good as he is, that there's plenty of interest. I have no problem believing that, both from WWE and I'm sure AEW as well. Um, 
I, I know I certainly hope he doesn't go to NXT because, you know, the, the way that company's gone and, and how much they've nerfed people I've had great interest in going in. Um, but as well, like, we, we can't discount the, the long heard about rumors that not only will there be an elongated spring signing season this year from WWE, but that they're putting extra money into it just because they know how vulnerable everybody else is so they can sign up as many people as possible and just keep them there. He feels like a guy who shouldn't go to developmental back in the old days. This is like a... a an open goal to put him straight on TV. He is ready. He doesn't need to slum away on Wednesday nights on the program. No one cares about it unless they're over 50. Um, but yeah, I, I kind of hope that it's a bait and switch and he's not going. Um, but, you know, at the same time, if they're offering him a dump truck full of money, it, it's hard to find a list of people who would say no to that. Yes. And, just to kind of go over the date point a little bit further as well, the also bigger thing about this and something that we found out during the course of the pandemic as well, with Jay not being there for a good chunk of the year on the mainland, on the mainland shows in Japan, is that he's taken up residence in Florida at this point. He is a guy who... Oh, is that right? Seems, I, yes. I, I actually is, didn't know that. Yeah, that. yeah, his residence is in Florida nowadays. So he's based off of there. Uh, he seems to be a guy that enjoys his fair share of surfing as well. And the other big thing as well is that with uh, Fergal Devitt uh, or Prince Devitt or, you know, Finn Balor, depending on which uh, alliteration of him that you know him by, he's the guy that got him into New Japan in the first place. So if guys like Fergal or like Nakamura who have seen his work during the time that they were there in New Japan are kind of making that push to say, hey, come down to Florida for like – two to three years, they'll pay you really good. You can just relax in Florida for the most part, do your bit of surfing, not work as crazy of a schedule if you're doing NXT, that sort of thing. It could be appealing to him to do that as a short, like, bridge deal of sorts, see how he likes it, and see if he wants to stick around in the U.S. long-term or go back to Japan, because I think he'd still have those options with being as young as he is. But at the same time, it could just keep... be him with his current contract expiring, leveraging his options and trying to get Bushiro to pay him up accordingly and, you know, him be that next man up to, you know, be part, continue to be part of the big four that they've been pushing the past two, two years. So it's definitely a wait and see approach, but whatever choice he makes, uh, I just hope that he is in a position where he gets the money that he deserves, uh, the dates that are going to be, best for him to you know do his best work in and just be happy altogether because that's a guy with a just who's a hell of a talent and who's got the world ahead of him regardless of where he goes uh i just hope he's happy regardless of whichever decision he makes here well i i'm just gonna throw it out there i don't think he's going anywhere and, and yeah, I'm gonna tell you, that's, I tell that's you, why I'm saying negotiations being a big thing, because remember, we had this with Kenny Omega a couple of years back. This too. is exactly the thing with Kenny Omega. When Kenny Omega, after he lost to Okada in Wrestle Kingdom 11, was saying, I'm going to take some time and, and figure out my options. Yeah, bullshit. We know what you were doing, you know? <laughs> you know, and I felt that this was like maybe a setup for him to maybe make a babyface run, too. Mm-hmm. You know? to ditch the switchblade character and, and because let's face it when he was 
a young lion, and when he was in Ring of Honor on his excursion, he was a very good baby face. Very true, yeah. He was a very and, good baby face. Now, mind you, I, I hadn't realized that he established residence in Florida because one, one of the points in favor of New Japan was that Japan's much closer to New Zealand than the U.S. is. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, but, you know, I had... With that in mind, I have to take that in mind. Or, you know, again, this is just Jay being the fragile, edgy edgelord that he is, and this is just him, you know, having a temper tantrum in character. Very true. You know? but And I do think at this point we can talk a little bit further on that by breaking down New Year Dash, because there were a couple of key events that happened there, including a match that Jay White was involved in as well, too, where we can sort of break that down if you guys will yeah i mean yeah well yeah i mean at, at new year we don't need to go over every single match the, the 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 main takeaways from new year dash are um uh that you know the the empire beat the shit out of hiroshi tenzan post-match and uh, they get some of their heat back okan yeah. versus kojima would be fun as a singles bout to see just yeah. throwing that out there and it was yeah they you know they stretcher jobbed uh tenzan and you know they're clearly working it you know when new japan is putting notices up you know mm-hmm. discussing the status of hiroshi tenzan come on man we know what a stretcher job is you know <laughs> yeah um Ishimori and El Fantasmo uh, taunted Desperado and 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 Kanemaru for the the junior title, so those are are going to be coming up soon. Um, a Chaos five man team beat uh, Jay White. In fact, Jay White took the pin from Tomohiro Ishii vertical drop brainbuster. The eternal boogeyman, the Jay White as a whole. Tomohiro Ishii does it again. I I still lo- love that minor bit of note of storytelling that Jay White has managed to get through so many main eventers at this point, but just Tomohiro Ishii is like that one team. It's like, you know, in football, it's that one team you just can't figure out no matter where you are on the standing side of the fence. Like they just have your number every time. Yeah. Um, But yeah, we didn't get much indication out of that match as to what was going to happen next. Yeah, we just yeah. kind of got him walking away dejected, not really. Mid- there was a comment about New Year's Dash, and then this was pretty much it, I think is how he put it, and then mm-hmm. sort of walked away. And then Tom Ishii doing his solemn speak of, hey, uh, I-, I know what it's like. You know, he wrestled for 48 minutes. I didn't even have a match the night before. Just come back and fight me again sometime, which is the most Tomohiro Ishii thing mm-hmm. to say to anybody. <laughs> I, he is a sad man. Yeah, I feel like there's nothing you can read into the the result of the match either, because I think whether it's legit that he's going or it's not, he was you have to lose the match regardless um, to either sell the story or because he's he's taking the loss on the way out of the territory. So like Chris said, I don't think there's a whole hell of a lot you can read into it. But uh, yeah, Big Tom being the stumbling block is great stuff. Yeah, and the in the main event, uh, Los Ingobernables beats a uh, a mixed Hontai Chaos uh, team with uh, Bushi getting a pin on Master Wado with MX. So Bushi gets a rare main event win and gets to cut the the post match promo in serio, Majide. 
which was great, especially because he made a little quirk talking about, oh, how the guys in LJ were involved in Golden. It was the Tetsuyas who were left out for once of the title pictures in any way. <laughs> yeah. Which was a nice little uh, funny bit there between them. But Yeah, so now uh, Shingo is, is making advances towards Hiroshi Tanahashi for the Never Belt. That's going to bang. Oh I'm just going to say it now. That match is going to be great. <laughs> and then uh, Hiromu in show. That's going to be a good one. Yep. That, that, that's going to be good coming up. But if, besides some of these title pictures, you know, indications of, of title matches are going to be coming up in the uh, in the new beginning, which, again, we're going to reiterate uh, as we record this, we don't have those lineups at all so i mean we had the dates um the dates may be getting affected but um you know a couple of other things to 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 note here is that yeah we we know that we have no indication about jay white we have no indication about minora suzuki either because the rumors were were, are have been coming back again that he's out the he's nearly out the door too but yet he was still at new year dash too so i don't know uh Will there still be a Suzuki gun? Who the hell knows? We, not me at this point. But um, so yeah, any last thoughts about this weekend? Because oh my god, we've already been—we <laughs> just hit the hour forty mark. So, <laughs> uh, everybody who hasn't already go watch Jeff Cobb and Shingo, and if you haven't, if you already have, watch it again. <laughs> oh my goodness um, for me it was very much a return to form for New Japan after you know stuff beyond their control in 2020 but this is very much a great way to kick off the new year and to me this is exciting times because there's so much movement up and down the card and there's so much potential for advancement and not only that for Maybe even a little shake-up of a couple of the groups, but that's probably kind of longer term as well. Yeah, and Chris and I have kind of been talking amongst ourselves about that as well. So the, we may be putting them down on paper or, you know, to the blog or, or to another outlet. So, hey, if you have a wrestling, uh, you know, column outlet, uh, hit us up. <laughs> Chris and I would like to write for you, at least. Uh, preferably for money, but we know how that goes, too. So... Um, so this week, Japan went, uh, well, actually, Tokyo went into a state of emergency. But it seems like, much like the last time, it's going to be almost voluntary. You know, or, you know, just asking people to please be on their best behavior with things like this. Because, you know, no New Japan events have been canceled yet. And, in fact, the sumo basho uh, that's supposed to start tomorrow is uh, apparently going on. As scheduled, despite the fact that Yokozuna, Hakoho, and other Rikishi have tested positive for COVID. So it's not really much of a lockdown, is it? No, doesn't seem like it. So, I mean, you'd think that New Japan would get ahead of this, on this, especially as, you know, cases are rising. I mean, uh, you know, I posted on, on the day of New Year Dash, actually it was the day of night two of Wrestle Kingdom, that they Japan broke six thousand daily cases. Mm-hmm. 
And I do wonder if that's part of why they've held back on any announcements for cards yet, because they're trying to figure out the whole situation on the lockdown side with uh, Tokyo itself, because I do believe this New Beginning Tour definitely has a couple of Corrigan Hall um, shows there m- at some point. Most of the most tour, of them. Most of yeah. the tour is at Corrigan. And there's one, so, at, yeah. and there's one at Oda Ward Gymnasium, too. So, yeah, there's that to consider for sure with them having Tokyo as their head base of operations. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yeah. stay tuned to the blog for any developments. But, yeah, again, we mentioned there are no new beginning um, updates here. Uh, did you see that they did announce another tour after the new beginning, a, a, a new tour at that called Castle Attack? Right, they were running the adverts for that, I do recall. Yeah, ending with two nights at Osaka Joe Hall. That's got to be a Fantastica Mania replacement, no? It, yeah, I mean, it's kind of bridging that, yeah, because, yeah, the, the, you know, the, these these new beginning shows that are coming up would be during the Fantastica Mania period, mm. usually. Which, again, we were pretty sad that that's not happening, but we also understand the state of the world right now, too. Yeah, mm-hmm. That usually is at least one of my favorite tours of the of the uh-huh. year. Yeah, for sure. And, and, and we just... miss out on having Cubs, so you know. Despite what <laughs> they, a... despite what Lee's contract says. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah. so yeah, um, yeah, I, yeah. I mean, g- given I mean, how I you... guess it's oh, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say. I guess it is kind of with the. Um... Lining up a replacement tour for Fantastic Mania and not necessarily giving all the details yet about um, everything they're going to be doing in the coming months. It is a kind of smart play because with the way things are going in Japan, you don't want to announce a bunch of shit and then cancel it straight away. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I, I can... yeah, the, like they did with the the New Japan Cup last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why would you do this two years straight? Like, surely a year into this, people, you know. And I guess independent promotions still haven't learned; they're still trying to book shows in between lockdowns. Uh, so I shouldn't be that surprised. But uh, as a business and one one that has real plans for a global expansion, like they really bigging up without too many details their upcoming tv deals as well over these two nights so for a company as business minded as they are it's a smart thing to not give away the farm straight away yeah i mean and again it just seems like you know given how you two are in a you know direct lockdown this just seems like such a soft lockdown it's not it's yeah like how do you have a state of emergency and not actually lock down hmm you know, it is it is very interesting. It's more so, I think, a cultural perspective where they want just expect that a majority of the people that live in the Tokyo area to adhere to it as much as possible and try to limit cases that way. But it is a situation that they should be looking at more carefully, especially because they're trying to run the Olympics in July at some point, and they can't afford to have a situation where. Cases rise to, rise to the point where they have to lock down for longer, where it interferes with preparation for that, especially and, if they're meaning to run these games like in a safe and sound manner. Yeah, the, the, the government is hell-bent on the Olympics happening. Yeah, so yeah. it's – with the amount of money that's invested in it, I don't necessarily blame them, but at the same time, 
it's a global it's a global pandemic man you either do it 100 percent safely or you just cut your losses yeah or just don't do it so with that being said i have so we don't have you know tour lineups yet and knowing our luck and our history they'll be you know right when we post the show they'll get announced but um two quick notes before we 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 sign off here number one uh Dave, you mentioned uh, TV deals. Um, the uh, New Japan is apparently back on TV in India uh, on the renamed D Sport Network. Now it's known as Eurosport. So uh, they're running uh, Sundays and uh, Saturdays and Sundays, uh, 6 p.m. India Standard Time. So yeah. I. I and apparently, it's going to be uh, broadcast across India, Pakistan, Bangladesh, the Maldives, Nepal, Afghanistan, and Bhutan. That is a mind-boggling amount of people to have your product in front of. Uh, I think uh, one word in particular there in what you've you've read, Jeff, really popped myself and Lee, because, Lee, we are very familiar with the Eurosport brand, are we not? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And also the... New Japan in the 90s was on Eurosport in Ireland. Well, Ireland yeah. and the UK. No um, kidding. So that that's yeah. where I first discovered New Japan was on yeah. Eurosport. No kidding. They, mm-hmm. They'd have that. They had um, the TNA <laughs> during the kind of um, the oh, pre- No, you're, you're thinking of the wrestling channel, Dave. This was like pre the wrestling channel. No, no, no. I know Eurosport. They had um, Explosion on Eurosport. Oh, really? I'm almost certain. That they had it was like the post the the post weekly pay-per-view pre-spike tv that little wedge of time i think um and i know they used to do like k1 and shit like that as well yeah yeah. Um, yeah, eurosport was like a great channel for picking the uh like you'd get football from leagues that no one wanted to pick up the rights to and all sorts of wild and crazy sports uh from around the world so it's not a surprise to me to see that name associated with New Japan again. Right. Well, I mean, I remember in 2017 that the uh, D Sport, which is what they this used to be known as, was showing King of Pro Wrestling. I don't. I guess they either just didn't continue the relationship, or it, it dropped at some point. And now it's back on. So D Sport, that it's Discovery, isn't it? Discovery, Discovery own. Yeah, it yeah. owns Eurosport in the in um, Europe now as well. Yeah. Um. So, uh, it wouldn't shock me if New Japan does end up on Eurosport in the UK. Well, well, keep us posted. <laughs> 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 and then uh, last night, uh, I guess we have new episodes of NJPW Strong. Uh, hopefully, they were not pre-taped. You know, seven months ago. <laughs> Like, uh, it, like it seems were... like it, it's been taped a little more recently than that. Yeah, donkeys uh, in particular, because I did t- take a look and watched it. It was a decent little episode there, three matches in total. Uh, mostly young lions being highlighted, Clark Connors getting a win, Rocky Romero going up against the DKC, who has uh officially been brought into the LA dojo now and is under Shibata's tutelage uh, as well, and then. The big news were it was the team of Brody King and the Regal Twins, Logan and Sterling, uh, against the team Filthy representatives of Daniel Limelight, J.R. Kratos, and a Mystery Man X at the time. And that Mystery Man turns out to be none other than the future papa, the filthy father himself, the dirty daddy, Chris Dickinson. And just 
pop. That that was a legitimate yeah. pop for me. I when I saw the screen grab go up last night when 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 you uh, quote tweeted it, Chris, I got so excited. Um, I'm so happy for him. This is the guy who is going to have. He had an incredible slate of matches upcoming in 2020 and deserved the world. He has gotten so good. He was. Uh, arguably the most entertaining regular part of Uncharted Territory when, when that was still on. I know you'd be... Mm-hmm. So that's like, we love him from there for sure. And uh, I'm so happy to see him. And the most uh, obvious never division guy in the world. Yeah, I, I haven't... I didn't watch... Uh, I, I, I really don't pay attention to Strong very much. I will note Daniel Limelight still being around. Eh, maybe he hasn't officially signed to AEW yet. No, I think he's just an indie guy working bookings as they come at this point, which, hey, good for him. Get yeah. that money. I'm with it. So, but uh, that will uh, bring us to the end I- of everything we have to discuss. I actually have one little update for you, uh, Jeff, as, we, as we've been talking, right? So I was trying to see the date that uh, TNA finished on Eurosport because I started doubting myself then. They were actually on, TV, on Eurosport during their, their kind of uh, critical peak through the kind of like mid-2000s all the way up to deep into the Russo and even Hogan eras, depending on the territory you were in. I, fi- I see a copy of Impact from uh, 2009 uh, on, on when I Google it. Not only that, but Impact is currently on Eurosport in India and back is that in that same territory that New Japan is going to be on. I think I knew that, actually. I, I, yeah. I, knew, I mean, well, I mean, let's face it, Impact and TNA, we're, we're kind of pioneers as far as the Indian market. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. in that respect, so definitely. You know, well, I mean, and I mean, considering the me. amount of considering the amount of people that live in India alone, that's a huge market get altogether. People underestimate just the amount of influence that you can have if you get a foot foothold into that market in some way, shape, or form. It's a market that WWE have been actively trying to court for a number of years now, to no great success just yet. But yeah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. hopefully, everybody else gets in there first. For yeah. sure. So with that, I think that that brings us to the end of uh, this episode of Strong Style Stories. So uh, let's do the plugs. Uh, Lee, when you kick us off here. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Malone underscore 713. Listen to Days of Thunder on the PWOM podcast network, which this great podcast is also on. Um, follow the podcast twitter at wcw thunderpod and that's about it um dave what have you got uh <laughs> <laughs> you could pl- you plug our podcast up, again you, you really run out of steam about halfway through <laughs> uh, I, I was even wondering should i got a plug in our it's, podcast it's like you'd very think. on brand for us um in terms of social media plugs yeah we're at wcw thunderpod on instagram as well and also uh wcw thunderpod on uh wordpress we have a couple of exciting ideas that we're finally going to start 
writing stuff on there the pandemic and all the crap that happened in wrestling last year really put a stop to that but uh the podcast is what we really want you to check out um every two weeks myself and lee come together with a couple of adult beverages and uh, put ourselves through uh wcw thunder and the wcw pay-per-views to see uh if we can follow uh wcw by just watching thunder uh we have a number of special episodes that we're not going to necessarily give away the farm on coming up in the next couple of months i think the one we can obviously say is that there will be a knights of nitro uh when goldberg streak uh or not when Goldberg streak has ended, but coming up in the next couple of months anyway, we'll just say that. If anybody who knows what's coming up in the, the timeline over the next while, you'll know there's a Knights of Nitro I, I coming think up. we already teased that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't, I we have a certain, we have a certain, yeah, we have a certain idea for sure at this point. Yeah, but I'll be there for it nonetheless. That, that episode will definitely put butts in seats. Yes, for sure. <laughs> and we have uh, we have two more Pick Your Poisons coming in the next couple of months and a very special episode looking at something completely not WCW. Uh, and I won't say anything more about it except that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can follow me at The Day to Dave on Twitter. Chris? For me, you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Sep. At Brazilian Fury with an S instead of a Z on Brazilian. Uh, you can also follow my other podcast, Sounds on Sticks, over on uh, Soundtracks on the Sticks, Sounds on Sticks on Twitter. God, getting myself all confused here. That podcast itself is on the Night of the Living Geeks Network. You can find that at SoundCloud.com, the NOTLG. And that's about it for me. Uh, once again, you can find me at Strong Style Story without the E in style on Twitter. My personal Twitter at GDWessel2S1L. Um, the blog is at StrongStyleStory.tumblr.com. Uh, I also, of course, do the Busting Balls podcast, which uh, John and I may do an episode this weekend. I don't know. We're, we're, we're still kind of bannering back and forth if we actually feel like doing an episode. But also... You can hear me weekly with uh, Paul Sebastian on Boom Goes the Dynamite, where we review that week's episode of AEW Dynamite. So, uh, yeah, so check that out and all the other fine shows here on the PWOM Podcast Network. Dave, Lee, thank you so much for uh, for coming on. Thanks for having us. Yeah, we appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, Chris, it's another year. Let's uh, Let's see how this goes, huh? Mm-hmm, can, for can, sure. can, can we make it to a sixth <laughs> anniversary? <laughs> I'm confident in us. We we survived we survived the uh, Kenny Omega Elite versus Bola Club nonsense that ended in a boat. So I think I think we can get through this. Yeah, I think so too. So anyway, <laughs> stay safe out there. Uh, thanks for listening. This has been episode 71 of the Strong Style Story podcast. Um, until then, take care. Goodbye.